You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Today on the Solex Show, we are talking to Seth Galina of PFF. He is a senior college football writer at PFF and the host of the PFF College Football Podcast. Seth's one of the best scheme guys that there is, and he's been big on too high defenses, becoming more prolific in the NFL. And of course, we've talked about two high defenses here on the show before, Todd Bowles, the Buccaneers defense, what they did in the Super Bowl, but that was all before Jonathan Gannon became the defensive coordinator here in Philadelphia. With a background under Matt Eberflus in Indianapolis and Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, Jonathan Gannon is extremely likely to run a two high defense here in Philadelphia, a massive departure from single high defenses Jim Schwartz ran when he was the DC here. Accordingly, I had to have Seth on to talk from a large-scale view about why two high defenses are being popularized, and then from a smaller-scale view, what the Colts specifically do in their two high structures, how those compare to other two high schemes that we've seen be successful over recent years, and what we should expect from the Eagles' defense overall in 2021. We also get on some tangents and we talk about Jalen Hurts and quarterbacking and cornerbacking and some other really interesting stuff. It's a great interview. It's all the podcast is today. Me and Seth shooting the breeze. With that said, it's pretty heavy on scheme talks. There's going to be a lot of vernacular, a lot of jargon, terms, concepts, and ideas. And for a casual football viewer, that may be difficult stuff to visualize. So one of the things I'm trying out with the show is that if there's a term that you don't understand and there's a concept that you can't visualize, go to bleedinggreennation.com. Find the podcast article for this show. It'll be titled The Soul Act Show. It'll have Seth Galina's name in it. And in that article, you'll be able to find time-stamped quotes from the podcast with the terms we use, with the things that we said, and accompanying video to break down and show you what it is specifically we're talking about when we discuss some of these higher-level ideas. I think it'll really help just have us learn about the game and have us understand and talk about the game at a higher level. If you like it, make sure you let me know at Benjamin Solak on Twitter or leave a review in Apple Podcasts for BGN Radio. If you don't like it, do the exact same thing. Let me know on Twitter, leave a review of BGN Radio. We'll try different things if we need to, to find a way to get video and exposition attached to some of these concepts so that we can have these really cool high-level conversations about football without leaving anybody in the dust with the scheme terminology. As it is, I think it's a great show, so I hope you enjoy it as well. Uh, Seth Galina of PFF. All right, Seth, today on the internet, we've got scouts comparing Justin Fields to Jameis Winston and Trevor Lawrence to Blake Bortles. We go to you for your thoughts. Oh, God. I think Blake <laughs> Bortles was a, a generational prospect, so I'm not, I'm not opposed to this um, comparison to, to Trevor Lawrence. And I think that's how it's going to play out. You're going to have some just wonderful seasons from Trevor Lawrence exactly in the same way that Blake Bortles played. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm being told that Blake Burles was not a good quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, I'm getting some breaking news. It's it's really something when someone can just say, like, Trevor Lawrence isn't an accurate quarterback. Like, that was just out loud. That was just real. In, okay, well, let, but let's talk about that, though. Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> Is he – he's not an inaccurate quarterback. That I, right. I will say 100%. But is he, uh, like, uh, pinpoint every single time accurate? No. Okay. That's it. That's I, all I want to say. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. want to get into this again. Cause I, all we do is talk about Trevor Lawrence <laughs> for the past three years, but like, that's, that's what it is. It's he's not inaccurate, mm-hmm. but he's also not, um, man, he's not, maybe he's not Andrew Luck, you know, in that sense. Mm-hmm. It is an interesting to me dichotomy between last year where it was like, all right, Burrow to a, they can both put the ball just like, in a spot right like perfectly in stride like all this underneath intermediate stuff like just constant great placement maximize yak but they all they all had the arm strength concerns and now Mm -hmm. here we are with this class and it's like everybody can just chuck it down the field there's only one guy who's also got the crazy arm and is super accurate and he's the one that we're all 
overthinking (laughs) on any given day. Um, But okay, quarterback draft talk for another day. Uh, uh, I have have a question for you before we get into what we're talking about, because I've been thinking about, you know, scheme fits. You know, this is like my first year, maybe like kind of last year, but not really. First year, like really being involved in, in, in draft business. And I've been thinking about scheme fits. We talk about that. And especially with like DBs, I've been thinking about for the past couple of weeks and I'm like, I don't know if scheme fit, you can really dive into scheme fit when it comes to secondary players, because the techniques that they're using are so that in college football, really they carry over. They all carry over to the NFL. There's no team that is, is like running a bunch of, cover two, like, like a cornerback. And he's like a hard cover two corner. He's pressing, he's getting the guy off his route. And then he's sitting there in the flats. Like that doesn't exist anymore. You play cover two. I'm not saying you don't play in cover two, but even now when you play cover two, it's, it's less of a physical technique. And even that it's just not a lot. No, no, no one's in the NFL is playing cover two as a base. So, you know, when I look at the corners, it's like, okay, well, if you're playing court, if you're a team that plays a lot of corners, you can play press bail in quarters. Well, you are, so you're also playing press bail and cover three. So like, like the, the scheme fit thing is, is a little weird to me now because mm-hmm. the techniques carry over so much, you know, you'll go look at, you know, Caleb Farley and, you know, I watched Virginia Tech scheme in 2019, you know, the last year of Bud Foster, that scheme gives me so much anxiety because the <laughs> safeties are so low often and mm-hmm. they're playing that like press quarter stuff and, and they're kind of leaving the corners out there on an island. And it's like, okay, well, if you go look at it and say, like, okay, yeah, well, this is a guy who played a lot of quarters coverage, right? Because that's what it'll be charted on, whether it's PFF or SIS or whoever's doing the charting, right? Mm-hmm. But then it's like the technique is not different than any type of man coverage, the technique is not different than any type of, than, than a lot of kind of cover three stuff. You know what I mean? Then different types of quarter stuff than cover six. Some people would call a quarter quarters half. So like, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of figuring my way through this whole scheme for them, especially when it comes to uh, secondary players. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Right. This is good because this is where what we're going to be talking about today largely is is these schemes and how they interplay, not necessarily from like a draft perspective, but from like what you need from your players. I think that I agree with you in the sense that a good starting NFL defensive back is really not going to be technique limited is kind of the word I want to use instead of mm-hmm. scheme limited, right? Like you can certainly like, all right, we run this scheme. And so, you know, we're going to be Seattle cover three. So we're going to draft the Kello Witherspoon and he's just going to be tall and long in the line of scrimmage. And we're not going to ask him to transition ever, or, you know, he's going to play with his back to the, the backfield. He's not going to have to like read, you know, quarterbacks and then click and close. Like that's just not going to be stuff we ask him to do. So you can have like scheme specific fits like that. But the reality is like a Kello Witherspoon struggle to hold down that starting job because eventually you have to ask your guys to do different things and so if you have a player in the league in college who's only successful like in one technique that worries me because you just can't sit in that in the league like like, even if like all right we're a cover three team you're gonna have to do different stuff right and that's why like have you watched jc horn out of south carolina yet no okay so jc horn goes up line of scrimmage presses he throws two-handed jams throws one-handed jams he soft shoes he's got every press coverage thing that there is in the book and he plays man coverage and it's great and then you take him off the line of scrimmage he's just not the same player and it's like right Mm -hmm. if if you can do any one thing well i want you to be able to play press man well so that's great but at some point i'm gonna have to take you off the line i can't leave you up there 100 of the time and that the fact that you don't really have that right now in your arsenal is going to be limiting for you when you get on the field. So to me, it's, I I agree with you in the sense that like there's too much of a blur between like the variety of techniques that are used on any get like across the course of a season to say like, you know, this corner is exclusively a, a, this team fit because no team is exclusively one coverage and all corners are going to have to have different answers in their tool chest, different quivers, arrows in their quiver to be able to respond to the challenges of the league, right? What I will say is that on like a larger, more philosophical sense of like scheme fit, right? Like we're going to talk about the Eagles and the Indianapolis Colts, like every single Colts defensive back ever drafted or acquired or Matt Everflus love to tackle. 
just like loved it. Just like uh, tackling's the best. And like that was like, clearly critical to him, right? Like he has the uh Matt Everflus has the uh the the hits philosophy, right? Which is like hustle, intensity, take the ball away, smart in situational things or whatever his like motto is but it's all about like our, our dbs are going to rally and our dbs are going to come up and tackle and this, so they, he drafted brock and they brought in xavier rose and they drafted kenny moore and it's like those are the guys that they're going after that's where it becomes like a little bit of like a philosophy fit right like do you care about your dbs tackling or not do you care about your dbs making plays on the football or not or are you just trying to discourage targets so on and so forth you see what i'm saying yeah no i agree kiss what do you think <laughs> yeah he's not here anymore <laughs> get out of here son okay so we alluded to it. We talked about it a little bit in the top of the show. Uh, Jonathan Gannon is the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. Uh, Mike Zimmer, Matt Eberflus background means that he is playing a cover two shell. He's going to be playing too high. Uh, Seth, for those who don't follow Seth's work at PFF, Seth wrote before this season and then again after this season about the proliferation of too high defenses in the now modern NFL. And, and th- as he wrote in uh, his recent article, which you can find on PFF, it's a very, very good article. Uh, this was the year in which two high pre-snap looks really actually started to take control of the average down in the league. So I wanted to just understand for all, all everybody listening who hasn't read it, 50,000 foot view. Why are two high def- defenses so interesting to you right now? Why are they starting to matter more in the league on a snap to snap basis? Well, I think it's just part of the cyclical nature of the game where we're coming out of, and every, every article I write, I always have to preface this with the idea that we're kind of coming out of the Pete Carroll one high cover three, cover one system that kind of proliferated around the league because success is going to do that. You know, uh, you, you have put together the Legion of boom. It's great. Everyone wants to steal your defensive coordinator. So that spreads. And then people just look at your scheme and say, Hey, we need to do that too. Now, is there a reason why they put that in to, to deal with whatever was happening in the early, you know, the late 2000, 2000s, late aughts, early 2010s uh, to deal with offenses? That I'm not sure. I've heard, I've talked to some people where they actually came in there uh, in the first few years of the, uh, of the Pete Carroll era in Seattle where they wanted to be a little more multiple, but then they, the, the players who landed in their lap told them hey you know like you were talking about with the long corners well you have Richard Sherman like you know let's do this one thing and if we could if we could do it really well we'll be successful right right. so now I look at it and say okay well what are offenses doing that is necessitating a change from that one high scheme that is such a big part of the league to to too high and I think a lot of it is you can boil it down to, well, teams are throwing the football more. And if you're throwing the football more, it means you probably want, uh, and the average depth of target is going up. So it's like, you probably want more safeties, more deeper players to deal with that. Uh, when you play in one high coverage, you can, you're susceptible, susceptible to vertical outside throws. And that's what teams were doing against, um, you know, cover one, cover three teams, especially when they did not have Richard Sherman and like Brandon Browner right. and, yeah, yeah. and all those guys and, and Earl Thomas, you know, uh, being a center fielder. You got to get a guy in the middle of the field <laughs> who can go everywhere. Yeah. So like, so that's why we're, we're, we're coming out of this because teams are realizing that a teams are throwing the football more B yeah, if we can go and find these type of players that can play a press bail cover three system with the middle of the field safety like Earl Thomas, and yeah, that's great, but they don't really exist uh, for every team. Uh, so, so I think that's why we're coming out of it. I think the, you know, one thing I wrote about was the, how teams are getting into, because now the, the Kyle, uh, Mike Shanahan, you know, wide zone, Kubiak, Alex Gibbs, those guys who, who, you know, quote unquote, invented this wide zone, outside zone system in Denver, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, that's kind of coming back now that it was always around, like teams are always running it, but it, it, it's definitely making a big comeback now with, you know, Shanahan Jr. and McVay and, and Kubiak coming back and being an OC and Stefanski and all that stuff. So I think that with that offense and all the crossing routes that you get from that offense, mm-hmm. 
you need a way to stop it. And it's, it's not, it, you can stop it from one high defenses. You can stop it from cover three because safeties can nail down and you can exchange routes and stuff like that. It's just not easy. Right. And that's what, so I think in a cover two world, sorry, in a two high world, now with two safeties deep, you can pass those routes off a lot easier and you can nail down on them easier and you're forcing, you know, flat routes instead of, you know, 12 yard uh, crossing route completions. So I think that's playing into a lot of it. You know, I think those are the main things. The passing is just, it's just too good. You know, quarterbacks are just too good right now for you to sit in a one high defense, show them what you're playing. That's the, that's the next part. It's like, I wrote in the article in 2015. So that's the year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. No, that's not true. I can uh, never keep track of it because the Super yeah. Bowl is always in the year after the season yeah. actually was. But I got you. Anyway, 2015. Had a good yes, they had a great defense in 2015. 75% of their snaps on early downs were played already showing that one high look. So not even a two high look that is going to end up spinning down to a one high coverage. I mean, already showing that. And they certainly weren't like disguising it and then coming out of it and going into too high. Like, you know, I'll talk about that with the Colts a little bit later, but um, so they weren't doing that. So 75%. So, you know, you, you show that and you show that and the league shows that so much over, over a decade, eventually offense is just figured out. And I know that, um, Sean McVay's talked about it, you know, being in the same division as the Seahawks where it's like, you know, um, they just kind of know what you're going to get from, right. From all these different looks that they're going to give you. Uh, so you, you need to be able to switch it up. And that's what I think we're seeing in the NFL. And this, like I said, it's cyclical. It goes in, in, um, it, it goes in ebbs and flows like this in 10 years, maybe we'll go back to one high stuff. It'll be a different thing. But uh, I think right now we're going into the de- the decade, the era of uh, some interesting two high coverages. Right, and that's what that's what I think is significant for Philadelphia right now. It's because we lived with Jim Schwartz for five years, and and everybody kept telling us Jim Schwartz was a great defensive coordinator, and there were things that Jim Schwartz did really well. But he also had the most expensive defensive line in the league, and he would die before he wasn't gapped out. He would die before he wasn't plus one in the box. And it was something we talked about a lot on this show. Like in 2018 and 2019, uh, everybody was like Jim Schwartz. He's the wide wide nine defensive coordinator. He's a pressure with four defensive coordinator. That's what his number one thing is. It's like no, it's not. He doesn't really do the wide nine anymore. What he does is he plays gapped out. That's what his his reality is. It's we're going to line up our defensive linemen in one gap and we're going to let them fly upfield. And so we're going to put as many numbers in the box as are necessary to do that. And if that means that we are static one high playing cover three, cover one all the time, that's what we are. And so the Eagles were a heavy man team in like 2016, 2017, started to struggle in pass coverage, became a heavy zone team, 2018, 2019, started to struggle in pass coverage, brought in Darius Slay, switched back to being man and continued struggling in pass coverage because it doesn't really matter what he was doing behind. He was always going to be below on numbers, right? He was always going to be dedicated to being plus one in the box and then suffering in the defensive backfield. Now you bring in Gannon, who the Colts ran as much too high stuff as anybody else in the league last year. And it's just now the calculus is changing. But there's a lot, there's there's a lot that gets put into these bucket terms that I think needs to be sussed out, right? Like the Colts run a lot of too high. Last year, the defense du jour, right? Like the 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 popular one was Brandon Staley, Los Angeles Rams. And everybody talked about how they ran too high. Right. Oh, oh, there's a, there's a quarter. So they got two high safeties. It's crazy. Like, woohoo. And that was very reductive in terms of what was going on. So I want to I want to step into the Staley defense very quickly. They were a too high team, but they did not run a ton of cover two at all. So what were they doing defensively that made them so successful? And how is that different than what the Colts were doing? Because I think a mistake would be believing the Eagles are going to be too high. The Rams under Staley were too high the Eagles should be good. Like Staley's defense was good when they're really massively different ideas. Um, massively different is an understatement. Yeah. Um, and I think even Staley coming from Vic Fangio, even those two defenses are 
pretty different. I would All right, say so fold well. Fangio in then. I want I want to hear kind of what are what are the schematic differences? What are the charting differences numbers wise that you see? So we can not just bucket all these as too high defenses because I think they deserve more delineation than that. Yeah, I think. Well, I'll, I'll go with. I know Staley's defense a little better than I do Fangio's. So I'll I'll start with Staley's defense because I think you know one of the things that I couldn't believe when I was watching that early in the season. And I mean, you guys got them week three or four, right? Week so two, them, baby. Week there two. you go. So you guys saw it right away. Like, oh, this is not <laughs> this is not what I've seen before in the NFL. That's why I think it's it's something that we need to talk about because it is so different. Yes, it's too high. Uh, no, you're right. It's not a cover two. Um, uh, system it's often you know quarters quarter half cover four that type of stuff but the interesting things are the, the first thing is who's in the fit who's out of the fit so when you look at classic too high quarters or even cover two defenses in the nfl and you know when i did my study last year and i looked at a lot of those teams you see like like the big question is where is the nickel because in college the nickel is not where he is in the nfl often in the nfl the nickel is if there's one receiver split out or sorry if there's two receivers split out to the size you have a wide out in a slot the nickel is inside of the slot right so he is now more or less in the run fit what college teams do and what brandon staley did last year was in a lot of their coverages he would that nickel that star, as uh, you know, Nick Saban and, and uh, right. Bill Belichick would call it, and so many other coaches now call it, he would be outside of that slot back, outside leverage. Um, we don't see that that often, especially in a two high world. Now you can see it in a one high world. It's like you see it a lot in a one high world because that's your divided rules. You're going to be outside leverage in a one high system. But in a two high system, the problem is you don't have that safety nestled down in the box, so you're not gapped out. And you're taking the nickel out of the fit. So for me, that's the first thing. And how, why do you do this? Because two things. A, you can bracket the nickel, bracket the slot back. The nickel is outside leverage. The I love how you call high. it a slot back, you Canadian. <laughs> yeah. The slot back. What era is this? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're behind. We're In some places, we're behind the times. In some places, <laughs> we're way ahead of you guys. Um, so yeah, you can double, you can bracket the, the, uh, the slot receiver. And with the safety inside leverage over top, um, you know, to half that field because he doesn't have to play in the middle of the field and then the nickel outside leverage. So, and because slot receivers are becoming more and more important, more throws are going to the slot. So we need a way to bracket these players. Now, again, the question, the, the problem is in the NFL world, not only are you in a too high world where you're not gapped out, like you're talking about where a short set, I have to be gapped out every single play mm -hmm. because they're afraid. Once you're not gapped out, you got to start doing stuff with your defensive line. You got to start calling stunts so that the, so that all of a sudden it looks like there's open, you know, an open B gap, let's say, mm -hmm. and post snap, it's not there anymore. And the back has to bounce it. And then the linebackers are free to, to 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 roll over top and make a play so now you have to start doing stuff you can't just rush players or you just have to have good players so another article i wrote last year about too high or stopping the running too high guess who was good at stopping the running too high uh wade phillips's houston texas defense you know why because <laughs> davian Clowney and jj Watt. right so it's the like, best yeah. run defending defensive lineman in the last 10 years so it's like, yeah, that's that's no problem. You can just play, and you you can kind of, in a sense, two gap them, but they're not even they're not even trying. They're just that good, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to do stuff. You can't just be like, hey, everyone's in a gap. Everyone sits in their gap. Wherever the wherever the gap goes, you go, and we flow to the ball and we make a play. Like that doesn't really work in a too high world. Um, so now, like I said, teams like you look at a team that played a lot of too high. Uh, were the Panthers who went to the Super Bowl in 2015. That's the 2015 Super Bowl, I believe, is Panthers-Broncos. So that year, they played a lot of too high. You know, Sean McDermott still does uh, in Buffalo a little bit. Mm -hmm. But that nickel is always inside because, okay, yeah, we're, we're out-gapped. But so at least let me play that nickel low. He doesn't have to worry about the slot coming to block him because he's inside leverage. You know, he's always, he's between the ball and the slot. 
Mm-hmm. Now playing that nickel outside leverage again, it changes everything. Now the safety has to be in the run fit, uh, or, or or neither of them in the run fit. You just live with it. Uh, so what that means is you're forced to change because you don't want the safety or the nickel in the run fit often. You're forced to change what you do front wise, and I think that's where we saw another big difference, which is difference from what you're going to get with Staley. And, you know, within in Los Angeles last year and then with the Chargers, um, you know, next year, that's different than what you, the Eagles are getting is you're not going to get uh, everyone a four down over under look where everyone's in a gap. And then, you know, if we have to, we can pirate stun, we can do this, we can do that. This is going to be, hey, we are going to play a three down, a three, four, oftentimes a tight, sometimes a bear so that we can cancel interior gaps as a priority. And then if the ball happens to roll off the table, as they say, we'll go chase it down with the line, with some quick linebackers. They don't even have to be that good. I mean, Rams didn't have great linebackers last year, but they just chase everything down. You know what I mean? Right. They're not taking out blocks. They just chase everything down sideline to sideline. And then, um, and then you're okay. So I think that is, that is completely different. Um, definitely than um, you know, the, the Zimmer uh, Eberflus way, and I think even different than Fangio, because I think Fangio still, I'm, I, I could be totally wrong, but I do believe Fangio is still a four down team. Yeah. So there you go. So that, that's where everything was so different for the Rams. And then the next thing, you, you know, you look at is with Staley was such obviously broad ideas when it came to week to week game plan that changed. And I cannot get out of my head. What they tried to do, it didn't work, but what they tried to do to the Packers in the playoff game. Now, look, maybe no matter what they did, the Packers would have won because that offense was so dominant this year. Mm-hmm. But when the Packers went trips, they moved every single linebacker out of the box to cover, like the, the Packers run a lot of like bubble screens, right? To Devonta right. Adams. So every time the, he was a, a, a slot back, uh, they would just they would what you know what we call cover down on him and they would just like just man they would play a five down defensive line that's to deal with the wide zone stuff and then if there was trips or something that backer would just move completely out of the box so you're literally looking at a five zero look a five zero look in in the the NFL NFL in the playoffs in the playoffs and they asked the weak side safety, I believe it was John Johnson, they asked the weak side safety that when, if it was a run, like, because they're not going to throw the bubble now, so it's going to be a run. And when the ball is handed off, uh, you know, on early downs, obviously, I mean, they drop back and pass it, they drop back and pass it. But if it is a run, you from, you know, 15 yards, 12 yard depth, whatever it was, you're going to come and be almost like an A-gap fitter from, from the weak safety position. Mm-hmm. So that, that stuff is wild to me. Again, it didn't work. Um, no, Again, this nothing, idea nothing. unsuccessful, but but it's wild. Right, like, I've never seen this before in the NFL. So, like, again, comparing the Staley stuff to the more, how should I say, structured, more rational, you know, Eberflus defense. It, it just it does doesn't doesn't work. Right, like the the. Uh... The Eberflus defense and the the Mike Zimmer defense, they're a lot more like Monty Kiffin, Ryan Brothers inspired than they are like taking and grafting ideas from the college level. You know what I mean? Like, I think that the point that you bring up with the Colts still being a primary four down over or under front lineup in a gap defense is so important because with the amount of money that the Eagles had already poured into the defensive line under Schwartz, with a player like Brandon Graham and a player like Fletcher Cox, they, they, I, I want to say they couldn't have done it the way that Staley did it. Of course, Staley did it like with Aaron Donald and was successful. So maybe they could have, but like they'd already put so much into this idea of having an aggressive pass rushing four man front that they, they kind of needed to stay there. Otherwise it was going to take a massive change in terms of that personnel and where that money was allocated, so on and so forth. And so because you're going to be four down, you're kind of stuck still existing in a cover two world 
where like you're talking about like the Kenny Moore, right. Who's their nickel defender is always aligned inside yeah. of the, the slot receiver, right. He's always coming down and playing against the run. Like that's how they have to be because of the money they put into the defensive line. Yeah. And that, and that's where the big difference is. And that's what you would expect the, the Colts, the, the Eagles to look like next year. Now, you know, as I said earlier with the spread of schemes and stuff, Hey, maybe teams are looking at, the Rams defense and saying, you know, especially because you have the D-line talent, especially inside with Fletcher Cox, it's like, hey, maybe we can use it in a similar way. Maybe we can go to a tight front defense and and, and play around with our coverages a bit. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you think that's going to happen either. No. But it, but it, it's 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 a, it's in the realm of possibility because that defense, it was the number one defense last year. Like, right. That, that's, the, that's one of the big differences. It's like, okay, yeah. Um, you know, when, when teams, when coaches go and look at the best schemes and, okay, what are we going to add to our stuff this year? What, you know, I go look at college film, I go look at this, well, what are they taking? They go look at who were the best last year and the, the Rams were the best last year. So maybe it's not the Eagles, but I do believe there's probably some other teams that go and take some of this daily stuff and realize that, Hey, maybe this is the way to go, uh, in the modern NFL. But yeah, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I just don't think it's, it's going to be um the eagles this year vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in you can book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Right. What's interesting to me in this regard, which this is kind of a deviation, but not really, is how much the Colts bringing into Forrest Buckner last year meant for their pass rush because the Colts were 31st in blitz rate last year. They do not blitz, right? And that's like he's Jonathan Gannon was a defensive backs coach under Mike Zimmer and then was a defensive backs coach under Matt Everflus and is presumably Zimmer and Everflus inspired. But Zimmer's like, we'll send third down rush packages. The Colts started doing that towards the back half of the year. I thought they became more willing to, to, to send some creative looks and to send some blitzers, but largely they did not want to blitz. What they did to solve their pass rush problem, 2018, 2019, then into 2020, was trading a first round pick for DeForest Buckner. Mm-hmm. And Buckner had some games where he just took over for Indianapolis. And like that, to me, I think that, that Gannon will have seen that and he'll say, all right, I've got Fletcher Cox. I've got that guy here. So I don't need to be like blitz heavy. I'm just going to use him. Like I use Buckner and just have him be crashing on every single stunt. And they're playing games behind it. That's, that's kind of where I, I think they're going to fall on that. But I agree with you in the sense that just because you have a very good 
front four elite pass rusher like Aaron Donald was for the Rams, like Fletcher Cox has been in the past for the Eagles. He's been a little bit older, a little bit injury prone mm-hmm. the past couple of years. Doesn't shouldn't preclude you from using him in ways to make your pass coverage better by stealing gaps in the running game because that's that's what that defense was about. It's what it did so successfully. Um, I want to I, I want to transition to that though because as we talk about Staley defenses and we talk about you know uh, uh, zone match coverages and we talk about all these saving ideas and, and how teams are trying to find ways to play zone without spot dropping, right? So it's not just going to be, we're going to drop to an area of the field. We're going to play from the top of that area of the field down. We're going to let a bunch of uh, underneath routes be completed. And we're going to rally down and tackle those. Like the league is trying to find ways to play zone where they're matching routes, right? This is the, the, the development here in pass coverage. Jonathan Gannon coached for Zimmer and Everflus, who are cover two top down spot dropping zone teams, right? These guys, they have their match coverages. They certainly do, but they want to philosophically drop into those zones, allow those underneath completions, discourage the deep completions, and then rally down and tackle. And I feel like one of our favorite things to do on Twitter is to take the Mickey out of spot dropping zone teams. And so I want you to either assuage or confirm my concerns, your choice, in terms of the Eagles being a heavy zone spot dropping team. Is this like we cover two is the way, but is this a, a, a lie? Like I said, this is like Monty Kiffin, Ryan brothers. This is like an older style of defense. It, too high gives them good numbers, but are they going to get diced up by good quarterbacks because they're still just sitting in traditional zones? Yeah, I, I look, you can go find tweets by Seth Galina, um, <laughs> like talking down to spot drop coverages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I look back find it from like, Ben Solak too, baby. Like, yeah, guess exactly. that's what we do. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, oh man, like, it's just a coverage. Like it's not, it's, it's, a, it's not, not it doesn't kill hurt you. you. It's yeah, not it doesn't real. hurt you. Yeah. It's not real. It's fake. All coverage is fake to tell you the truth. So yeah, I don't, I think you've got to mix these things up. I think there is a time for, for spot dropping, but I also, you know, when I went back and watched the Colts early down too high stuff, yes, they're, what they're going to try and do is, is I think to the weak side, could be wrong about this, but I think Darius Leonard was the wheel linebacker there, and obviously mm-hmm. a very, and obviously a very good player, very athletic player. So what they try to do is kind of play man, like even in a cover two world, they're trying to kind of play man on the backside. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a man match. I would just say it's man, I agree. too high man. Yeah. And they're trying to play more of a zone drop thing on the front side, like two or three receiver side in particular. So in the same way that if you're playing cover three and you get a trip set, the backside is going to be man to man. Well, they're trying to do the same thing uh, to a trip set in too high where the backside is still going to be man to man, but you're going to have an extra, you know, half field safety there. And the front side is still going to be a zone dropping thing. So they're, they're, they're trying to mix things up. They're not like just sitting in the same stuff. They're mixing up when the cornerback is a cut player Sorry, cut cut is also a, a somewhat of a Canadian term because I use it differently than than save and cut. But I was about to say, yeah, yeah. Please explain. So cut, well, it's cut to me is just like the corner cornerback cover two technique. Okay. Yeah, it's like uh, so. Yeah, and then you don't know if he's going to be a deep quarters player. You don't know if he's going to be a cover two player. You know, from the same look. So they're still trying to like mix things up. And they're still going to spin down. It's not like they're going to play in this too high world the whole time. I and mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, cover. F- I have the right here. Hold on. They were about 8% cover four, 14% cover six, and 13% cover two. So you add those things up and it's not 50%. So they're still going to spin down, play man coverage. They're still going to spin down and play. Um, and, and play cover three. That's still going to be part of the offense, especially when they feel like they need to stop the run. So they're going to be, they're going to do a lot of things. And I think that's the thing with Zimmer. And it, like you said, it's a little less so, especially with the blitz stuff um, that the Colts showed last year, um, but they do a lot of stuff. It's just, it's not man match cover seven. Right. You know what I mean? Like that, it's not that uh, I've talked about this with my, my like, esteemed co-host on on the pff cultural podcast deontay lee give him a follow yeah we always feel like the nfl is somewhat afraid of man matching principles because you can end up in matchups that you don't love 
you know, you want to play clip, which is a sort of too high man match principle. Well, sometimes the mic is going to be on an island. Right. So, you know what I mean? Like the NFL is deathly afraid of those right. types of Every NFL defensive coordinator wants to tell themselves that if they're <laughs> going to play man, they should just line up and play man because they have the guys to do it. It's true for like eight teams, but all 32 teams want to be able to say that. Yeah, exactly. So like you're so like they're 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 gonna go in, they're gonna come into the game with a with a bunch of different coverages. It just it's probably not gonna look like Staley going back to that, but it will look it will be different and it and it will be um like I said, a lot of different variations of stuff, um, whether it's you know, quarters with one side, you know, quarter quarter half, whether it's true quarters everywhere, whether it's uh, whether it's cover two on both sides, whether it's whatever it is, whether it's actually two men, like um, I think that you're going to see a lot of different, um, different, uh, you know, variations of, of different coverages. Now the question is, um, and I, and I'm taking this from someone who shall not be named, but he said, talking about the Colts defense last year, well, what is going to happen to them when they get in the playoffs and you have to play man coverage? And right. What what you know what what happened to them was they didn't blitz against Buffalo. They played off. They played two high coverages, and they could get a pass or they could get a pass rush. But Josh Allen was was getting outside the pocket, and then he was finding these holes in the zones because you know after a certain amount of time, it's tough to 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 cover people, right? So. Mm -hmm that's what ends up happening in the playoffs. Like if you can't just line up and play man coverage, like can you win uh, in the playoffs? Now, a lot of that has to do with, do the Colts feel like they had players to play man coverage all the time? Probably not. Do they, does, does Gannon feel like he has players to do that in Philly? Maybe a little bit more. Maybe, maybe. But he, maybe one, the rest of them, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was, I was thinking that, about one guy. That so man was sending go. Bobby Okariki out to cover three. You can't do that with Nate Gary, man. We saw what Chase Claypool did. It can't happen. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, man, the, the they, they had pretty good linebackers there in, in, in Indy. Right. They invested in linebacker and safety. Ask me what the Eagles have not done over the last five years. And if you're going to play this too high stuff, you probably need because now the the like I talked earlier, if you're gonna play a one high coverage, the corners are exposed vertically, or just exposed in general. Well, mm -hmm. if you're playing a two high coverage, even if it's quarters, um, you know maybe not like 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 press quarters, you know the, the Michigan State stuff, you know Dave Miranda stuff, tight four, but like, you know your 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 corners have some help with the safeties up there. Um, so. Yeah, you you can you can take away some money of investment money on the corner on the outside players and kind of put it back in the middle and invest some more money, invest in draft capital in the middle because you know now the linebackers have more space between them. There's no safety that's coming to nestle down next to next to Darius Leonard, so he's got more space to deal with mm -hmm. um, in the underneath zones. And um, yeah, so I think that you know the personnel. I don't know if it fits. Uh, quite yet but also i'm not sure the eagles personnel is just good right. either so exactly that's a yeah like uh the the uh the scheme in which no good linebackers and half <laughs> of a good safety uh fits is none of them you know you gotta, you gotta have good players so okay that's actually good because this is kind of the, the last question that i wanted to kind of like wrap this up on would is kind of to this point i would ask like uh, fat we're gonna fast forward a year you know it's january 2022 Everybody is healthy and they're allowed to go outside. It's great. Uh, the Eagles defense last year, the 2021 season was ranked seventh in DVOA, which is exactly where the Colts was last year. That would be a, a big surprise to me. I think it'd be a big surprise to you. What do you think gave, what do you think was the, the, the straw? What do you think it was the turning point? Was it Eberflus or it's not Eberflus, excuse me, Gannon, uh, you know, blitzing more and taking that Zimmer approach and being able to generate more pressure that it wasn't able to in Indy. Was it the Eagles being able to invest in safety quickly enough? And like, it was good for Jalen Mills and it was good for Kayvon Wallace and like some of these other guys they have at the position. If the Eagles defense is to, is to do well in this approach next year, do you think it's going to be because the scheme bends to the personnel? Do you think it's because the personnel fills the scheme? What do you think this all kind of hinges on for this to be successful in year one? 
Yeah, this is going to be a cop out answer, but like you know, we spend you know forty five minutes here talking about scheme and and like you know talk, like being so like uh, amazed by all this stuff that we're talking about, and then I'm just going to tell you that if the if they end up finishing seventh in DVOA, it's because the players played well. Like, that, like what <laughs> yeah, else? Right. Like what yeah. else is there to say? Uh-huh. I uh, right. I think that it's it's when you look at for me, Darius Slay on one side. Okay, sick. Uh, they have nothing else at corner. And it's this, I like, they, they brought in Xavier Rhodes and Rhodes was like fine. And mm-hmm. the defense was good. They drafted Rocky sin and Rocky sin is still struggling. And the defense is still good. It's what you brought up. It's like, you can protect corner yeah. in this system. So to me, it's, but whereas you don't have Darius Leonard, right? That's okay. A problem. Not, not yeah, that linebacker is like the most important position, but I would say in a scheme like this, Absolutely. Now linebacker becomes a little more important. Now having a super athletic guy. Now, don't get me wrong. Nate Jerry is the coolest looking linebacker in the league. No. But, however, with that said, I don't think he's as good as Darius oh, Leonard. Oh my gosh. Nate, uh, his nickname is White Snake. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that or not, but yeah, Nate, Nate White Snake Gary. Uh, it's right. To me, it's right. It's, it's for five years, we watched the Eagles put their corners on islands, whether it was in vertical zones and cover three, whether it was in man coverage and cover one, and whether it was Jalen Mills or Ronald Darby or Darius Slay or whomever, right? Rasul Douglas, Sidney Jones. It just was never successful because they never had the talent there. And now finally the Eagles like don't need to have elite talent at corner. And I'm hoping that that alone just alleviate some of the issues in the passing game because they can't evaluate the position and they haven't been able to coach the position either. Like Corey Unlin was the defensive backs coach here for years and the Eagles DBs were always bad. And then he got the DC job in Detroit and we were all like, what are you talking about? And then Detroit proceeded to waste the number three overall pick with Jeffrey Okuda, who I thought was unbreakable. And then Unlin and Patricia (laughs) got fired. You know what I mean? So it's like the hope is that what Gannon has done for corners and for defensive backs can be valuable. That's my hope. But I agree with you. It's, the idea that the Eagles personnel, which is largely day three picks in the back seven, somehow all get six quality starters on the field, which is an extremely long bet. Well, I mean, then maybe maybe the D-line just plays up to its potential again like it has in the past. That would be another thing. You know, if we're talking about, hey, maybe he doesn't blitz again this year. Mm-hmm. And they – I mean, it's not him. You have to remember. I mean, it's a, it, Gannon was not calling the plays. So maybe right, he's yeah. just a guy who wants to blitz um a little more than than Everflus did so so but if they don't like if they play like the Colts did last year maybe that D-line just gets pressure and maybe it's just one of those years right like it's not sustainable uh that that's I guess that's what I'm gonna get at it's like well if they do finish in the top right. 10 it's some wild bullshit like I'm sorry <laughs> but that's <laughs> no, probably but, right. what it is it's like they blitzed and got they they, they blitzed and they had a great you know, year getting turnovers off blitzes. They, mm-hmm. they, they got sacks on first and 10 because, you know, rushing four, like stuff, stuff that's probably not sustainable, but, but that's probably what will put them in the top 10. Uh, it's such a joy to have the conclusion of a podcast <laughs> be, and if it's good, it's because it shouldn't have been. And it just was because the league is impossible to track. Can we, uh, I just finished watching Jalen Hurts again. Uh, because I had Quincy Quincy Avery on my podcast as private quarterback coach. So wow, can okay, we talk okay, about chill can out, we relax. talk about can we talk about Hurts for a bit? Oh uh, yeah, good or not? I think that as I a man who that, just had Quincy Avery on his podcast, <laughs> no, I think I think he's just like man, every throw he just doesn't want to work the middle of the field, and that's got to change. It absolutely has to change. He's got to start uh, working the middle of the field. Maybe I, I don't know if it's anticipation if it's timing if it's accuracy if it's just not seeing it um but he you know he works a little bit at, in college so I, I i think he can but you're not going to win games only throwing unless you're aaron Rodgers last year you're only not going to win games only throwing outbreaking routes and and, and like sideline shots and posts and stuff got to work the middle of the field got to find those digs they're there i remember in the saints game there's a couple plays they're there he's not taking them um but I, my question to you is like is that going to happen? Like, is, is from what you see, is, is, is that a guy who's an NFL quarterback? No, Uh, short answer. No. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, no, I, I, I'm pulling back up and I remember when Hertz played against your saints uh, (laughs) and next gen stats released his passing chart. And there's four dots beyond the line of scrimmage between the numbers on 30 attempts. They were all completions, (laughs) but it's just four (laughs) out of 30 attempts were 
beyond the line of scrimmage between the numbers. That is the majority of the field that, yeah. that you're trying to throw the ball into, right? So uh, you can you can build the plane out of it if you want, but also they were booting him out a ton. And last year, the Colts under Sirianni with Philip Rivers, obviously, were like 93% in pocket dropbacks. And like with Jacoby Brissett and Andrew Locke, the number was equivalently high. Like they want to be a pocket passing team. Now, Sirianni will call mesh every single time you give it to him. He doesn't care. And that's like, that's Oklahoma 101, right? And so sure, like you can get the underneath middle of the field stuff, but A, he's going to have to be in shotgun dropping back deep. And B, I don't think that they want him making layered throws because he wasn't good at Alabama and he wasn't good at it at Oklahoma. Uh, so you're trying to throw over the linebackers in front of the safeties. It's just not – he doesn't have the touch for it. I don't think he has the vision for it. So you're, you're precluding an area of the field. Now we can get into a much deeper and irresponsible conversation about other quarterbacks in the league who also avoid this area of the field who are also quite good quarterbacks. Yeah. Seattle, Arizona, looking at you. But uh, Green Bay, that's the thing that's the most wild about it. But we I didn't know. Do, we don't I, have didn't, to talk I didn't know this that. was. I didn't know this was a thing. Did Did Rogers like? Did they basically just like? He walked up to the line he, of scrimmage and decide half of the field, and not even work middle of the field. Is that what it was? Well, I think that did they not? Did he not want to work the middle of the field, or was it some a lot of boots like you're saying? So that's already just going to eliminate the middle of the field, and they just wanted to throw outbreaking. It's 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 honestly it's like Clemson's offense. They just like want to throw outbreaking routes. And like, yeah, right. if you have the super accurate quarterback and, you know, who can throw on time and you have, you know, Adams in the slot running that outbreaking route. Yeah. They're like, whatever, fine. No problem. Um, right. But yeah, so there are, so it's funny because we talk about this stuff all the time because we're, we're idiots and we're like, <laughs> we're like, eh, you guys go to middle of the field because that's how offenses work. And it's like, it's like, yeah, it's cool. Like, I don't know right. about you. It's cool watching a guy throw a dig, you know, throw, you know, shout oh, yeah. across and or like watching watching Peyton Manning throw like the levels concept, the dig concept. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the, the Will Backer like sits for a second. He throws it over his head. It's like, yeah, that's fucking cool. Oh, my God. But it's like, hey, maybe you don't need that. Maybe we're all just that's what I was about maybe to say. You don't need that. Right. Maybe this build it out of something else. Yeah. This to me is hand in hand with like the quarterbacks don't have to be West Coast pure progression passers anymore. You know what I mean? Like we don't need them to be able to like three step drop, hitch the first read, reset your feet, work to the backside, you know, go yeah. one, two, three, four. Like we don't need to do this anymore. And a, a large part of the reason why we don't need to do this is because we can build an offense out of working a half field, right? Vertical to intermediate to shallow. So you don't have to move your feet and you also don't have to make layered throws in the middle of the field because those throws are typically you're you've got linebackers and safeties and you have to deal with depth and width you have to deal with players coming from deep players coming from shallow and then players coming across from either side whereas if you're thrown to the sideline you don't have to worry about people coming from nope. the sideline that's illegal <laughs> this to me yeah, this to me legal. is also this to me is also why like Patrick Mahomes is so good, which I think you could take any conversation about quarterbacking and say, this is why Patrick Mahomes is so good. But like people lose their mind over the arm and rightfully so. People lose their mind over the release and the accuracy and rightfully he so. He is a savant but it's the field when vision, it comes right. to the field vision, manipulating defenders. Especially it's like, middle anything, of the field. It's like nothing I've ever seen in my life before. It's as if he just like does not care about linebackers. I've never, he just doesn't like, nah, they're not quick enough. I'm better. Like it's, and maybe it is the arm that allows him to do this, but it's why always anytime we're like, Oh, Drew Locke is like Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Zach Wilson is like Patrick Mahomes. Mm. They do not see the field the same way. Wilson does not throw middle of the field because he doesn't have such an anticipation, such an understanding of where space is going to develop. Yeah. That comparing him and Deshaun (laughs) was the same way this year uh, over the middle of the field, obviously, you talk about the greats, Breeze and Brady are always good. Um, but yeah, there's something about Mahomes that people, uh, you're, you're, you're spot on because I think his play from within the pocket and getting completions in the structure of the play over the middle of the field, the, the part of the field we're talking about, is pro- it's probably the best. It's definitely the best in the league right now, right? Right. Um, and, and, and the difference between how Mahomes does it and even Watson relative to how Brady and Breeze did it is like Brady and Breeze were so polished and so consistent that they could, you know, three-step drop, throw the glance, right? Throw the slant, throw the bang eight, whatever. 
and just know with certainty that they are so consistent and so accurate that even if the safety knows they're going to get the ball there quickly in the, the closing window, Mahomes will just drop back with no rhythm in his feet. They just walk back. Like, it's not that it's not like the practice precision of I've done this 10,000 times, not like a free throw where it's like, I just know this process so well that I could close my eyes and I know the hoop's going to be there. I know the window's going to be there. I'm going to make the throw. I'm going to make the shot. Mahomes is just like, has the innate feel that he just dropped. Like, he's like, yeah, it's going to open now. Zip. Do you remember the crazy throw? Man, did it even get completed? I don't even remember to Kelsey against Buffalo in the playoff game. Uh, Early. I, I see it on the all 22. They're going right to left. So I don't know what quarter that is. I think it's in the first half. <laughs> I think it might be the first quarter. I think it might be the first drive to tell you the truth. And he does this like a little pump fake. And then he. Is this the one where he moves from Ann Edmonds? Yes, 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 yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm okay. With you. So you talk about not having any rhythm in his drop back. I wish I had the play in front of me so I could explain it better because it's on doing this from memory. But Kelsey is coming from the right side running across the from the right side all the way to the left and <laughs> there's a window there because the linebackers split really fast there's a window right away during the drop for him to hit kelsey and he just th- so he just stops his drop back kelsey's not even looking for the football and like obviously they have such great chemistry that he feels like kelsey is just going to turn and look even though he's not supposed to at that time so he wants to throw the football and you can see him you know, cock and ready and load up for that throw. And he's going to throw the ball. And Kelsey just never looks at him. So he just changed the whole dynamics of the drop there. And then it's like, oh, shit. I couldn't, I, the, the, my receiver didn't look at me, even though he was open. So now I have to, I have to like reload the ball. I have to bring it back in my chest and then I have to switch my feet. I got to read, I got to bring the, I think the nickel ended up uh, coming down and opening up the window because Mahomes looked a bit too too to the flat to the left flat and then he still hits Kelsey in the second window. All like the timing is nonsense. It is absolute <laughs> nonsense. Right. This but is where... it's a savant. It's like it's like better like the understanding of that whole of play is so much better than anyone else in the league right now. Right, because there are rules and he exists outside of them, and so defenses do what if they're supposed to do. Un- if yeah. you understand the rules innately, then you can break them. Right. Right. So like you look at Wilson and Locke and the guys you talked about, they don't understand the rules enough. So when they try to break them, um, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work in the same way. This is also to like fully <laughs> full circle this <laughs> all the way back to Justin freaking fields. Yeah. Like when fields breaks the pocket, he just isn't, he's following the rules and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it, it's, it's actually very risk averse. It's actually very good. It means when he gets outside of the pocket, he's not doing dumb things, Indiana game notwithstanding. The, like, I'm outside of the pocket. I could throw across my body and try to hit the tight end with the guys that are flowing, but that's not what I, I'm supposed to do. What I'm supposed to do is either, you know, take that, that, you know, comeback that's working back to me against the sideline or tuck it and run. And guess what? I'm 6'3", 230. So I tuck it and run. I'm going to go murder somebody and it's going to be a pickup. And that doesn't look like what Mahomes is doing. And so we think like, oh, he doesn't create well outside of structure. No, he does what he's supposed to do outside of structure. And it goes well because he's built like Cam freaking knew it. Okay. uh, Going back to the Chiefs now, because (laughs) you reminded me of something. The Chiefs on scramble drill. So like, you know, normally when you teach scramble drill to your receivers, like the, let's say the quarterback, you know, he breaks contain to the right. And, you know, it's like if, you, if you're shallow on that side, you run deep. If you're deep on that side, you come shallow. And if you're on the backside, you keep coming across the field, right? That, those are the rules. Those are scramble. Yeah, this rules. is how scramble drill works. You see the Chiefs receivers, he'll, he'll scramble to his right, and you see some Chiefs receivers, Chiefs receivers run to the left, <laughs> and he throws it to them. Like, that is just nonsense. Like, I don't, yeah, like, guys might look like Patrick Mahomes. I don't, I mean, like, people will say Wilson, whatever. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't even see that, but you know, you, you could say it for a bunch of guys. Um, you know, Lawrence has that kind of quick, twitchy type of behavior that, that can look like Mahomes. I don't know. But they're not – that's – Mahomes is doing stuff that we've never seen before. Right. There's the, – the, the transcendent aspect isn't there. That's, that's, why I, that's why I always think playing wide receiver for the Chiefs and for Mahomes has to be, like, really fun but also exhausting because you're going to be tired. 
I want the GPS guys at Next Gen Stats to tell me how many miles the average Chiefs receiver runs relative to the rest of the league. It's got to be so much. Oh, 100%. Especially oh. with the, all the times that he's out of the pocket. Exactly. And, just, and plus plus how often they're just running deep crosses right? in general. Demarcus Robinson's like, I did not sign up for this. Like, I don't want, I want to stop running. I want to stand still. Oh, okay. So yeah, football. There that was go. good. Football. Yeah. Any other, any other takes you want to get off? Or was that uh, oh, the, man, the potpourri have, successful I have, there? I have no takes. I'm done with takes. Uh, <laughs> I have bad, bad uh, experiences with takes. So I just, oh right, right, yeah. No. We're all nuance, all nuance, all the time now. I'll uh, I'll just edit in a probably in front of all of your claims of this entire podcast, and that way I'll give you a trap door in case any of them yeah. get screen grabbed by a certain NFL team in the future. Yeah, I just like I put like I think at the end of each <laughs> yeah. tweet now. Uh, yeah, uh, Jalen Jalen Hurts is going to be the best quarterback ever. I guess so. Hopefully, I guess, whatever. Maybe. Who knows? Right? Maybe, but I guess so. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.